from Cowork 591 Studios. This is Steve Brown, Art Center Podcast Network. I'm Jim Gillespie, along with co-host Dale Reber and producer Blake Tempest. This is the Jessup News for January 23rd, 2023. On today's podcast, we interview Cameron Homa. We look at the Challenger Space Shuttle accident. We look at the top five television show theme songs of all times. We discuss the top five TV series of all times, and we look at the news. Today's sponsors are Reyes Concrete Service in Littleton, Iowa, the Littleton Lounge LLC, open 10 a.m. to 9 p.m. seven days a week, and the Littleton Chatham Historical Society. The Littleton and Chatham Historical Society strives to accurately document Promote and preserve the history of the Littleton and Chatham area to cultivate an interest and educational understanding for future generations. Those three sponsors, along with Dream Chaser Acres, are sponsoring the first Littleton Free Watermelon Day, July 29th, the last Saturday of July of 2023, presently we have two bands set up. We have four artists. We have a performance in the cemetery out there where people portray people that are buried in the cemetery out there and tell their stories. We are going to have a duck race on the river, and we're going to have a cow dropping um, <laughs> to raise funds. Okay. <laughs> to raise funds. You drop the cow off the bridge there? Or? <laughs> Uh, some other kinds of dropping. Oh, okay. all right, all right. <laughs> we are working to add two shows to our podcast network in the coming months, and I'm proud to proud to say that uh, on this past Friday we dropped our first musical act would would have been Belvins and Powers onto our podcast network. I will. Uh, I will talk about that again next week, but that will be out there. Hopefully, some of you have already listened to that. Dale, would you talk about the Littleton Arts Center, or the Steve Brown Arts Center a little bit? <laughs> you threw me there. All right. Uh, the Steve Brown Arts Center is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that has a vision for artists, young and old alike, to have the opportunity to better themselves while helping to build the skills of those around them. It will be offering community programming starting in Jessup, Iowa, before expanding to neighboring communities. Programming will include a community speaker series that will showcase existing creatives who reside within the community, as well as a pop-up series that will spotlight and partner with local businesses to provide opportunities for community engagement. The long-range vision is to house a rural artist residency program for professional and emerging artists in all areas of the arts and the humanities. Artists will be offered accommodations and studio space in exchange for a contribution of labor and maintenance of the building and grounds. Thank you, Dale. You're very welcome. We are changing the format a little bit this week um, after some some input from some listeners that shared some things. Um, one of the reasons that we asked Dale back, Dale was on our number one rated show that, that we've done. Yeah. Hundreds more, maybe? Uh, 
Okay. All right. <laughs> you um, liars. So, okay. All right. The uh, I have lots of relatives, and that's what put me over the top. So, okay. The but but we're changing the format. One of the first things we want to talk about today. Um, the the greatest television theme songs of all times. You are interested as in listeners in contacting us and tell us what yours are. We we love to love to have them. You can send them to my email. It's jgillespiegolf at gmail But Dale and I are going to share ours today. Um, my top five. Dale R. Rawhide. That's a good one. Yeah. Yep. The Olympic Games theme. Yeah, it, yeah. It's been around a long time. Yeah. The uh, Andy Griffith Show. And I really like the the song with Frazier at the end, the end of the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did that. Yep. Yeah. He wrote that, I think. I think he did. Yeah. And my favorite television theme song of all time is Rockford Files. Yeah, that was really good. Yeah, on that that's played a lot by high school bands today, oh, even yeah. yet. Yeah. It's amazing how high school pep bands play songs from the 60s and 70s a lot. Uh, even today, I mean, it's just the kind of music that's peppy, I guess. But, yeah. Uh, it's interesting to me to hear the music that they play. And even the band directors aren't that old, but they still, that's the music they turn to to uh, really... Uh, you know, pep up the thing. I right, okay. right. The uh, and outside the list song that I really liked was Sanford and Son. Quincy Jones wrote that song. For those of you that uh, that knew uh, Sanford or have watched Sanford and Son, that was on on Friday nights on NBC right before the Rockford Files. Yeah. So no, there was no music or no words to it. Was there lyrics to that song? No, I don't believe I don't so. Okay, yeah. No, no. Yeah, I never liked it that much. But. So, so Dale, what, what, well, what I, are your five? <laughs> well, I don't have five, but I, but Hawaii Five O. I thought that really. I mean, that show was in Hawaii, and that music had the Hawaiian boom, and that was a big song. Uh, Secret Agent Man, if you remember that show. Yeah. Uh, Johnny Rivers had the theme song and that big guitar solo in the middle. Right. And uh, I like Paladin, the Paladin song. Oh, yeah. Uh, the yeah. I thought that was great. And I would agree with you that Rawhide was a good one. Uh, what was the guy that did that? Uh, he oh. did lots of westerns. He and, did. Yeah, I know. It doesn't matter. And then... Uh, Hill Street Blues, the theme to that, I thought was excellent, and that got a lot of radio play when it was uh, when it was out too. And that so, was a really good. So one. those are probably the ones right off the top of my head I can think of really well. So yeah, you didn't yeah. give me a chance to work on it a week like you did. See, so. <laughs> but no, I really thought you know, and music it can really help a show if you have the. And I don't know how they do it, but the the, the theme song if it fits the show like Hawaii Five O or whatever, it just it really makes it work. Yes, so, it does. Yeah. Yes, it um, does. Um, this is the C. Brown Art Center Podcast Network, and now the library calendar for this week. Okay, they're going to have a little tot story time every Thursday at 1030. Uh, they have songs and stories and more little crafty things, I think. And the Spice Club, they had the cinnamon, and we got some of that, and it was I had never had that. It was, it was a special kind of cinnamon, but it was really good. The January Spice is cardamom. You think? Yeah, yeah, that's okay. what it is. Get yours today at the Jessica, and I'm not sure what you use that for. You have to look that up for us. Yeah. But uh, they also have a snowman painting kit, 
you can pick up a painting kick at the public library, $2 a kit, and you get a five, by five inch by five inch canvas, a paintbrush, paint, and a tracer, and step-by-step -step instruction. You can call the library to sign up while the supplies last. It's 827-1533. So uh, the library also has like the, what, read, get the little kids involved, uh, the Dolly Parton program. Great thing, my kids in Michigan were involved with that. Their town had that, and they get a book. Starting when they're born, every month they get a new book until they're five years old. And it's just the most wonderful thing. And uh, anything you do to get your kids reading, and you can start when they are very, you don't have to wait till they go to kindergarten. It's too late. You need to start when they're little babies and get them reading, and uh, it'll make a world of difference for your kids. So don't be afraid to do that. Okay. Oh, there are more? Oh, boy, they're busy, aren't they? Okay. <laughs> I thought I had to add a little of that. Okay. A Monday movie, they're going to have, uh, oh, I saw it on the sign. It says Steve Clooney and, or not Steve Clooney, but George Clooney, and it just was out not so long ago. Looked like before, and I can't remember the girl now. Julia Roberts? Yeah, it could be. Yeah, Somebody yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the book club is hollowing out the middle. Uh, the rural brain drain and what it means for America. We know all about brain drain, don't we? <laughs> but the older you get, the more your brain drains or so. Okay. Uh, sociologists are sent to a small town in Iowa to chronicle the exodus of young people from America's countryside and to understand the process of the rural brain drain. And it's interesting, like Cameron came back to Jessup. And, you know, there's a lot of people living in Jessup that were Jessup people and left and then came back to live uh, you can you see a lot of kids you had in school that are still living here. They're in the fire department and volunteering right. and this kind of thing. It's just kind of nice to see. And then it's also nice to see people that kind of get out of the nest and go and make their mark somewhere else too. It so uh, takes all kinds. So uh, one in five Americans, nearly sixty million people live in small towns, and the rate at which young people are permanently living has grave local and national repercussions. The emptying out of small towns is a nationwide concern, but there are strategies for arresting the process and creating sustainable, thriving communities. And hollowing out the middle is a wake-up call we can't afford to ignore. And so those of us who live in small-town Iowa, that would be an interesting book to it get would. involved with yeah. and a, a good discussion. Okay. Uh, the Friends of the Library are meeting February 2nd. That's a, they had to postpone that meeting. Till February 2nd, the Friends of the Library are a nonprofit support organization that improves the services and resources of the library, promotes citizen involvement in the community, and hosts fundraising events to offer programs and resources for all ages. And membership forms are available at, uh, at the library. Fundraising, they have the coffee. You can buy coffee at the library that uh, helps out their budget. And uh, this bookworm blend, I'm not sure. You ever had that? I haven't had it Many. yet. No. Okay. <laughs> uh, they have a 30-ounce Polar Camel water bottle with a JPL logo is available for purchase and different things like that. So go into the library and talk to the people. They have all kinds of stuff going on. Media sale, they have books, uh, DVDs, audiobooks, puzzles, games, and more that people donate. And they're available for a free will donation. And if you need some... Uh, like especially the paperbacks in there are excellent. You most of them are one owner. One owner it seems like they're in excellent shape, and a lot of good stuff there. And uh, fairly recent things. Uh, the library is more than books. We have several new items. For uh, they have craft stamps, candy molds, magazines, newspapers, cake pans, puzzles, games, STEM activity bags, cookie cutters, DVDs, a soap making kit, and more. So and they can also through interlibrary loan. Uh, over the years, I've got lots of things through interlibrary loan. 
and that's a, a, a great uh, service they offer. They have an endowment fund at the library, again, to help uh, raise funds for the library. And uh, if you are interested in that, uh, you can talk to your financial advisor, your, your uh, attorney, and uh, if you need information more about how that goes, and uh, be a good thing, you know, if you need some place to put your money, besides Steve Brown, why? You want to make a donation to the library, yeah, cash gives our immediate support, uh, bequests provide future support, and memorial gifts serve as a special tribute for a loved one. Ah, here's the great, the 1,000 books before kindergarten. We talked a minute ago about how important it is to get these kids reading at a very young age. And uh, this is a wonderful program they have over there. I think Becky Burke got this started a few years ago. And 1,000 books before kindergarten at the public library is designed to be simple and encourage making reading a daily habit. And sign up at the library to receive a log to record your child's first 100 books or use the 1,000 Books Before Kindergarten app, which is available at your favorite app store or on iTunes. So, But that's a great program, that 1,000 Books Before Kindergarten. And so you should have all your children lined up to get that going. Cause, uh, but that'd be a lot of reading, but, you know. That would be. A book a day, 365 a yeah. year. You can do that. You can get that done. Ten so. pages a day, 365 days a <laughs> Is a year. Well, a lot of these books only have 10 pages and only 10 words, too, as they get started. But uh, as they get older, they're much more interesting. And so uh, that'd be great. All right. The, a little bit about cardamom. The, it is widely used in Indian sweet dishes, in ice creams, in milk specialties, and in hot masala milk. Okay. I've never heard of masala You have to look that up now. See, so just one thing leads to another. It adds flavor and aroma of many rice dishes, vegetables, and other richly favorite flavored dishes. It is used as a tra- traditional flavoring in coffee and tea. Okay. So. So we learned something. Yes, we did. Good thing we showed up today. Yes, we did. So. This week is the anniversary of the Space Shuttle Challenger's um, terrible accident. Dale... Um, do you remember that day? Yes, I do. And I don't remember particulars, but I remember uh, in the years prior to that, they had put a call out for, they wanted a teacher on that. And some of us had even talked about filling out the application. Of course, you know, none of us ever did, but uh, that I know of. But uh, we were very interested in having a teacher. We thought that'd be great to have a teacher uh, on the Challenger. And it was Christy McAuliffe that was chosen. Yeah. And uh, so I know when that accident happened when that explosion and knew that she was dead along with all the others it just really it got you you mm. felt like your brother or your sister had died because uh just that teacher connection yeah. you know that she was kind of representing all of us who were in education and so i remember the feeling i don't remember you know the particulars like where i was at or this sort of thing but i do remember that it, it was uh a very shocking thing, and it upset uh, the teaching staff a great deal that that happened. I, so, I was yeah. uh, substituting for for Steve Brown in, in the art room that day. Okay. And we were three students, and I wish I can remember what three students. It was a small art class. It was like an art four class. Uh-huh. And we were watching that, watching the, the launch, and... Uh, it, it had been in the air probably, oh, somewhere around a minute, I would guess. Yeah, it wasn't very long. Yeah, yeah. and it blew up, you know. And I, at first, everybody thought the, you know, part of the rocket had broke away. Then everybody knew it was terribly, terribly wrong. Yeah. It's sort of like, 
one of those days, where were you on 9-11, where were you during the Kennedy assassination, that type of thing. This is the SBAC Podcast Network. I'm Jim Gillespie with Dale Reber and producer Blake Tempest. Tonight we're interviewing Cameron Homa. Cameron, welcome back to Jessup. It's good to be here. I've uh, been gone for a little while in California and reappeared back in Jessup in 2019 and for some reason just couldn't stay away long enough. <laughs> so so where you li- where you living? So I'm here in Jessup at the end of uh, Christopher Circle at, in my uh, grandma Joyce's house. Um, it was a creative space for my grandpa more Donnelly, uh, as well as her. She's a plenty crafty herself. Both of them are incredibly talented people. Oh, very much so, yeah. Yeah, and so I was uh, basically left California to come back to Iowa to purchase that amazing house that she has mm-hmm. um, and use it as my own creative space the way that they did. I've always loved that house. It's really, really unique. It's probably the, maybe not the greatest house out there but it's definitely the most unique it's in, in well morton designed a lot of those homes didn't he in christopher circle yeah, yeah there's there's a lot of houses um on that street specifically that he had a great hand mm-hmm. in designing because he was a, not only a designer but he an architect he built the houses yeah. too mm-hmm. with the wood from his uh business waterloo lumber yeah back in uh yeah was, I'm, not, I'm not sure obviously waterloo lumber yeah. Uh, I forget um, how long that lasts. I think they stopped doing business in 2000, somewhere in the 10s, I think. Yeah, it hasn't been that long, but it's been, I remember when they went yeah. and they, they closed up and so yeah. yep. ran out of Donnelly's. So. Yeah, something <laughs> like that. <laughs> the, uh, you know, the, the thing that uh, would be interesting to know is how many people in Jessup have a, have a more Donnelly piece in their house. He did a lot of characters. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. There's a there's a great deal of artwork that he did. Um, there's still a lot of pressings that I still have of all the things that he's done, and a lot of his um, most notorious not notorious I keep I misuse that word a lot works that he is I think most known for in addition to his caricature, caricatures was the um, the wood carvings that he would then press onto paper and so, make pressings of. Uh-huh. Um, and not only do I still have plenty of those pressings, but I have the original wood carvings for a lot of that artwork out there still okay. saved. That'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it is. So, so um, you and Dale were talking, bef- talking before the show. Um, what were you doing out in California before you came back? Yeah. So um, I moved out there sometime, I think... It was in about 23 or 24, so that would have been 2016 or so, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, yeah, uh, I had a bunch of really great jobs and a couple of bands out there and stuff and was hanging around in California the way that I would. cool job that I had while I was out there was working for a fabrication company called uh, John Richards Company. And I got hired there, and it was a funny day when I did. Um, I had two interviews that day, and the first interview was um, a company that repaired city buses. And I came in for that interview and did well and accepted a position. I was like, I don't need to go to that second interview, but let's go to that second interview. I don't even know what they do, I'm just curious. So I went there. They make a great deal of stuff for Disney and Lucasfilms and um, 
Pixar, uh, Universal Studios. Oh, cool. Yeah, just a bunch of really great stuff for not only the thematics inside the park, but for rides and um, for movies as mm -hmm. well. So there was a lot of really neat fabrications that I got to take part in. Okay. Um, one of the most notable would have been um, the Mandalorian Star Wars show that is on Disney+. Plus. If, um, if the scene isn't CGI, main protagonist's spaceship, we built it inside and out. So any scene that's inside the ship... Any scene that's outside the ship, if it's not CGI, we built it. Okay. So it was a really, really neat experience to go through all that. I yeah. bet it was. I bet it was. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there was a metal division and a, a wood division. And the wood division, um, one of the most notable things that they did um, was, while I was there anyway, I was only there for about a year and a half or so, they replaced the tippy tops of the Disneyland castle in Anaheim, California. So those castle spires mm -hmm. that, that company that I worked for made them. So if you go look at that right now, I was, I was in the same building that okay. they were doing that. But a couple of cool things in there, but those are probably the most notable. Yeah. Okay. So where are you working right now then? Right now I'm working at Gator Machining and Manufacturing in Independence, Iowa. They're uh, really awesome and clean manufacturing place. Um, I'm there as a machinist. And I am attempting to uh, move to their weekend shift, which, and I've always said this, I would take five eight-hour days. I'd even more prefer, prefer four ten-hour days. Yeah. If I could do three 13.3s, I would prefer that. <laughs> yeah. They have a 312 shift, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, um, from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Okay. And I'm attempting to get on that shift so that I can make way... For my big endeavor, which Monday through Thursday I'm hoping is to build guitars. So tell us about that. Tell us about that endeavor. Yeah. So um, basically, um, ever since college, I've um, aspired to make guitars just because I've been a guitarist since I was 14 years old. I have always had a fascination with the instrument in general, its inner workings, what it's made of. Um, it's just been an object of mystery for a lot of my life. Um, some of it's pretty obvious. There's some strings on there and you tighten them and they make a sound and, and that's uh, pretty obvious magic that goes on there. Um, and some of them you can plug in and plug them into an amplifier and they make even louder sounds. I was particularly interested in those. And the louder sounds. The louder ones, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, darn kids. Darn kids. <laughs> no, um, so basically... Um, I was influenced in machining school by really awesome builders um, while I was in there, one of which is uh, Rick Toon, uh, last name T-O-O-N-E, if you ever get a chance. He has some of the most amazing, most, they, the creations that he did will absolutely blow your mind. Mm -hmm. and it, it barely hangs on the idea of what a guitar is. It's a really, really great company. He makes really bizarre instruments. And I've been in, influenced by him and many others um red layer guitars is another one just basically one guy in amsterdam i believe he's from amsterdam forgive me if i'm wrong the typical brands like ibanez um fender and gibson and all those big guys out there mm -hmm. um but the idea because of my machining background and i'm really experienced like my job is right now in machining um to make a production slash custom guitar company 
And for those that don't know what CNC is, basically, um, you have the option of making um, a guitar by hand if you wanted to. You can take a solid block of wood. You can carve out all the edges that you want. Use a bandsaw. Use all the, um, you know, all the typical wood tools you can think of to create a rough profi profile of the shape that you want. Take a little router bit and route out some cavities for some electronics and all that. The beautiful thing about modern day manufacturing is that we have something called CNC, which is uh, short for computer numerical control machining. So basically, um, you have um, a computer that has a program on it that makes it so that you, using 3D modeling software, uh, can program a shape in 3D space on a computer and tell the machine essentially how to navigate different basically live router tools that can navigate x y z mm -hmm. any direction and if you give it a really good one you can even go on five axis and tip it um, some that's a little advanced but um the idea is that um you have some this this perfectly repeatable process to make a really specific product like a guitar or anything else that you want to manufacture. Here in Independence, they're making <clears throat> aluminum machined goods for Collins Aerospace for the most part. It's probably about 50% 50, 50 of their work or so, I think. But it's also a really good technology mm -hmm. um, for building guitars. Okay. So the idea is, um, and, and some people would argue that building these things by hand would be... Um, somehow better but I would definitely argue that because human nature is kind of error riddled so to cut just one little extra carve too much or to nick it wrong and accidentally make a micro crack in the wood which turns into a giant split later on you have no idea what you're going to get with the human error that right. we all know too well so with CNC that's eliminated for the most part um, depending on who's operating it, who's programming it. But my intention is basically just that, to use all modern technology to make a foolproof process as possible, the um, most quality controlled process as possible, as quickest as possible without losing quality. You want a really beautiful quality instrument that is made quickly. And that's why I would use CNC rather than doing it by hand. So to get more simple, <laughs> yeah, electric guitars are made. Are they made of the same kind of wood as an acoustic guitar? Yes, but are uh, the th strings the same? That's a good question. Uh, so electric guitars are solid. Mm -hmm. They typically don't have any cavities other than where they house the electronics. There's definitely like chambered guitars where they'll leave little pockets of air covered by a piece of wood just for tone okay um, but um all the woods that are used in that i feel can be used in acoustics the difference with acoustic guitar is that in acoustic guitars you are using a lot of thin pieces of wood that are usually heated up and steamed to form around okay yeah. cavity to create a very large very mm -hmm. open area 
that creates its own acoustic speaker, yeah. essentially inside a hollow body. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing that doesn't really change from any of that is what is both on an electric and acoustic guitar is where there's strings that pivot off of one end and pivot off another end, and they're tightened from one end. Mm-hmm. And that is the basically the exact same in electric or acoustic. It just depends on how you're trying to convey the sound, whether it be intimately, acoustically mm-hmm. in a small room or maybe a larger you know room but if you need something to project it can be an acoustic guitar but it needs to be amplified or otherwise you would just use an electric guitar that can be plugged in into an amplifier to fill an entire stadium full okay. of sound okay. now the electric guitars like some of them are angled on the back and some of them are round i mean yeah. does the shape have any does it make it sound different if it's the guitar itself is a different kind of shape? Um, from basically the videos that I've reviewed, there is next to no difference okay. uh, for the most part. I've seen videos where you can maybe fasten that whole string and pivot system and tuners onto this table right here, mm-hmm. and um, you're still going to get a pretty good result as long as the pickups that are sitting underneath the strings. Yeah. And what those are, the little black bars that you might see. If you're seeing somebody play an electric guitar, underneath their hand, underneath the strings, are like two black little soap bars about okay. the, about this big. I think I've seen those. Yeah. And inside those are magnets. And those magnets create an electrical um, signal based off of the vibration of those springs, or strings, excuse mm-hmm. me. Um, and turn into, like I say, an uh, electrical signal, which goes out of a quarter-inch cable and into an amplifier. Okay. Um, but the some people might argue that um, different shapes and different types of woods do make a difference, and to some extent that is true. Um, but it is a minor difference compared to acoustic guitars. Acoustic guitars, that makes a lot of difference. Okay. It is It is all the difference. It is immensely important in acoustic guitars. That's why I tackle electric guitars first and then I can uh, go into that territory where it takes a lot more skill and understanding of the tonality of different types of wood, which I have been experimenting with for the past two and a half or three years. What, type, the, of, what type of wood are you using there? Uh, my bodies, uh, the electric guitar bodies, are made of alder and the necks um, which in this case are bolted on. There are uh, three different types of joints. There are bolt-ons, set necks, which is basically, rather than being bolted on, they are just attached that same way via glue. Or neck through, which is the neck from the tippy top all the way down to the bottom of the instrument is one lamination mm-hmm. and wood wings are kind of attached to either side. So that might be hard to visualize essentially, but um, my bodies are made of alder, and my necks are made of a five-piece laminate of maple and walnut. So it's a really good contrasting uh, couple where, of woods. Where do you get alder wood? For me, specifically, Wheeland and Sons. I'm not sure exactly where it is derived from locally or not, um, but I know that it is a good wood to use for an electric guitar body that is relatively inexpensive 
but still has good tonal characteristics. Okay. Have you heard of that? An alder? I, I guess I had either. No. Yeah. Okay. No. Yeah. I honestly, I don't know where an alder tree is anywhere near no. here. <laughs> well, we want to find one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what is it with these guys that smash their guitars on the stage? What's What's that all about? Oh man, it's a statement. That's what. It, that's what it's all about. Well, what are they saying? Um, I'm pissed. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um. Oh my gosh, I just listened to um a book on tape on this one in particular. Uh. I think it was um, it was almost an accident what happened. I think it was the Who that did it first. That sounds about right. I yeah. think so, and I believe that he had some the guitarist. I don't know his name, but he, I think he had some friends there or something like that. And I think something had happened on stage, and they I think were mocking him for something that had happened, uh, and out of sheer anger and frustration, and for that extra wow factor to yeah. kind of probably take away from the distraction <laughs> of whatever had happened that, yeah. that that session, he took his guitar and destroyed it. And that became symbolic of a time because people were starting to get a little pissed off about their government and their choices at the time. I can't imagine that. So. Yes. But um, it was actually really bizarre because it became part of their act. And they actually had people like their guitar techs and stuff like that, there was a cleanup crew. These guitars are kind of expensive sometimes. Well, I would think so, yeah. So they have to go through and rummage through the, the <laughs> destruction that they uh, had created yeah. for the different hardware and pieces that were still salvageable. Uh, sure. yeah. Put the crap that is absolutely destroyed in one pile and the stuff that's still usable in another, yeah. and they put a guitar together mm -hmm. with yeah. all that stuff or otherwise yeah. whatever they have that's that's needed though they would have gone and gotten yeah but um i wonder if those bands travel with some is, is there a craft name for someone that makes a guitar a luthier a luthier a luthier and that is specifically somebody that you would consider having made them by hand so when i say that i'm a luthier i use that term very roughly in a sense that i know how to use my cnc machine and some sandpaper <laughs> but the guys that actually were luthiers mm -hmm. would were like my grandfather mort that actually had a great set of wood chisels mm -hmm. and were carefully and skillfully crafting these arcs and bevels and all this stuff, uh, it was a much more time-consuming process, and that I would consider a luthier. But so, I am just, I am a guitar maker, I suppose. And are you, is this more like a work of art for you, or is this something where you'd like to see somebody take that guitar and go use it someplace? Oh, it is both. I, um, I'm getting almost like lightheaded thinking of the thought, because honestly, I, I've just seen this, this item this a guitar since 14 i'm 31 now and it's always been um an object of desire of expression of it's so many things and i do see it as an absolute work of art because it is days months of contemplation of un, like for me personally i mean some people when they're crafting an instrument they might have um you know they have a jig to go off of or something like that or they have a very basic shape and they carve it and that's it but i've been pushing and pulling surfaces and lines out forever in my program and it's something that like has been so meticulously crafted in a three-dimensional world and for it to f actually see the light of day uh is 
one of the most rewarding things I've ever done in my life. You're going to have a hard time selling these to yeah. somebody, aren't no, you? No, yeah. no, 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 no. <laughs> so, Cameron, let me, ask you, let me ask you this question. Sure, so, sure. like, the, I, I had to look this up. The Stradivarius is the violin's top of the line, the most expensive. I know they, mm -hmm. the uh, the famous violinists yeah. buy a seat for the Stradivarius on air, on airplanes, you know, when they travel. Mm -hmm. um, what is the Stradivarius of, of, of guitars? Of, oh, um, I would say um, there's a lot of iconic uh, instruments that have been out there. One that's obviously worth mentioning up front is the Fender Stratocaster. Uh, it really, um, paved the way for electric guitar um, and all of my knowledge of um, initial guitar making is coming to a blank. Uh, Les Paul uh, was actually the initial inventor of the electric guitar and he worked with Gibson. That's why you have Gibson Les Pauls. Yeah. Uh, now he did something special, right, that no one had ever done before yes. with guitars? And that was trying to figure out how to make guitar louder because okay. To be able to, oh, they had jam bands back in the day, and there were, and there was always the the big bands, uh -huh. you know, and sure. um, that big band sound. They were trying to incorporate Spanish guitars into the mix, but you could not get them loud enough. And the idea was to potentially, like anything else, like a microphone, you put that in front of an acoustic guitar, and it would make it a little bit louder. But then you're dealing with feedback, uh -huh. and that is what you understand in speakers yeah. and whatnot. Mm -hmm. It's a continuous feedback loop. It amplifies, it hears it, it amplifies, it hears it, and creates a horrible screeching sound. So they couldn't figure out how to eliminate that. They had to find a way to figure out how to eliminate guitar feedback. Les Paul, um, I believe, got a bunch of collection of parts together and figured out that, oh, it's not about what the body is doing vibrating in the the guitar's mm -hmm. body it, you don't want to amplify that you it's the source what's actually happening the strings it's the vibration of the strings that you want to capture so they figured out if they use the correct alloy of string in addition to an electrical um excuse me to a magnetic pickup that would create an electrical signal and the first example of that i know is on display in a museum somewhere but it I think it was called the shovel or something like that, or or the the two by four, some some ridiculous name. And I'm drawing a blank right now, but it basically was just that crude. It was a very long guitar neck with two slabs of wood in the side of it, mm -hmm. um, kind of where neck through bodies probably got their start. Um, but it's just this crude, horrible example that um, they immediately improved upon. That was the uh, that was the initial design to be able to get a guitar louder. And but yeah, Fender Stratocaster, a Gibson Les Paul, lots of different models came after that. You gotta give a nod to Rickenbacker for their um, initial work on making electric guitars. Um, and then basically, Japan started liking the idea of electric guitars, and they started doing it. And Korea followed, and Indonesia, and we've got some great giant shops out in Korea and Indonesia that basically make uh, most of the world's electric guitars now, whether people realize it or not. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so Cameron, when, when do you see yourself finishing uh, your, your first, I know you, you have five ready to go to yeah. the paint shop here. Yeah. When do you see yourself finishing your first family of guitars i guess yeah so the idea um was to have these done a long time ago but um <laughs> life gets in the way and and being able to make sure that um so realistically this is the 
first five guitars I've ever made in my entire life, and I am tiptoeing carefully through this process and referring back to every source of knowledge I can possibly muster to make sure that I don't screw up these steps. Um, and uh, so what I anticipate is that they'll probably be done. Um, they're being painted. They're being handed off at the end of this week. And then when I get them back, I basically put their hardware back in them that's already been fitted up um, and take a step back, troubleshoot a little bit more, take some pictures. Um, this should be done, I believe, early February is when I believe that they'll actually be picture-worthy and playable. So, and maybe you said this, like when you get this computer program set up, mm -hmm. you can just plug it, I mean, one after the other, exactly the same, right? Exactly. That's what you're looking for. That is the idea. So okay. a repeatable process. Yeah. Uh, so basically, there will be, on a little jump drive, basically one that says, um, or I've got five models, um, Card Cardinal, Valor, Scythe, Hemlock, Valkyrie. And basically, um, all of those, it's just simple as that mm -hmm. an a and b side file where basically it, it mills out the front side you flip it over it mills out the back side same thing for necks a six string a seven string i i, I dabbled in i play multi-scale instruments from normal guitar six strings um there's seven strings out there and even eight strings just to add to the lower range mm -hmm. to kind of you know have a piano just a little bit more over here to play with basically you'll essentially have those programs if you like the result of the program that just happened, mm -hmm. no need to change anything yeah. unless you're trying to make it go a little faster and you dial the speeds up a little bit in your program and you just re-export uh, re that program. And okay. yeah, it is, it is that easy and that repeatable. And to have a, a consistency in making a product like this is important. Yeah, be like a signature guitar? Are you going to have your name on it? or? Uh, no, I won't. But... Um, Mort will, uh, oh. because the brand is called Mortimer Guitars. Okay. In his likeness and out of respect for allowing me to, whether he give, gave permission or not, <laughs> to <laughs> occupy his creative space and um, to be able to work in his wood shop that yeah. he had in his house to be able to execute these. And I think that's really neat. I think yeah. he would be very happy to have somebody using his space for something creative like this. I he hope would. so. I yeah. hope so. And, I, and I've... There's a lot of nods. Like, for instance, um, he had a massive fascination with, um, like anybody else maybe, um, but with birds and trees, and that's why a lot of the model names, like Cardinal and mm -hmm. Hemlock, um, Hemlock is a type of tree. We knew that, yeah. I didn't know the idea. <laughs> we haven't heard of Alder. The Alder so. we didn't know, but right. Hemlock we knew, didn't we? Okay. <laughs> right, just making sure. All right. So, But yes, so uh, Hemlock and Cardinal are all nods to him, because he was an arborist and was a, a you know sure. a, a seer of a lover of birds and yeah. whatnot. So, yeah, I think um, if he was alive today, that he would appreciate what I'm doing. And I bet I, he would. And I even have um, a couple of artifacts. One of which, in particular, is really neat. Um, a certificate of authenticity um, of my guitars will always come with them, and he made a little stamp, like a custom stamp, um, that says. From the library of Mort Donnelly, okay. with a little emblem of a unicorn on it, mm -hmm. and that will go on all those certificates. Oh, sure. neat. Yeah. 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 Well, I tell you, when you're done with them, 
and you get the pictures, we'll have to put them on the, the Steve Brown Art Center uh, social media if you if you let us. Definitely, uh, definitely. We'd like to do that. And um, just to give you guys an example, uh, without them being painted, I have just examples of how they are in their raw state. Um, so here's, um, on the right is Valor, and on the left is Hemlock. Oh, okay. oh man. Yeah. Um, so Homa. That, yeah, that uh, that's really neat. Headstock shape is kind of my own. That that um, this kind of signature thing going on. Mm -hmm. That's of my own design, and it's kind of like my um, my language artistically, I guess. And then I got three more from left to right is Valkyrie, Scythe, and Cardinal. Okay. And they look like this. Okay, that's what I was talking about. There, the weird, yeah. the weird one on the left there. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So, um, but yeah, these will be painted. My aesthetic is kind of black and white so there'll be gloss black and whites um pearlescent black and white and i'll i think one of them is going to be um be flat uh, like a flat colors and whatnot so uh, definitely available in anything but just these initial prototypes black and white yeah. yeah okay well one other thing before we let you go cameron um congratulations are in order yeah you have a son on the way yes i sure do uh my girlfriend and i diana braun um are having a son uh, in on March 20th. He is due. Um, his name and likeness of um, Mort's um, actual name is Don, uh, and his father's name was Don, and his son's name was Don. So, and um, of course, my crazy, mythical, loving ass has to, of course, uh, do something <laughs> crazy and unique. Uh, so, it's his name is Phoenix Don Homa. Ah, cool. Yeah, cool. Well, thanks again for coming in. Yeah, yeah, thank what you. a great interview. Great. Thank yeah. you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. Appreciate it. We will go on. We will go on here. Um, we have, we have one obituary from uh, White's funeral home for this week. Um, Leroy Bernard Westmeyer, 81 years old, of Jessup, Iowa, died Friday, January 13th, 2023, at Unity Point Health. In Allen Memorial Hospital, Waterloo, Iowa, funeral services were held Friday, January 20th, 2023 at San Athanasius Catholic Church, Jessup with burial at San Athanasius Cemetery, in Jessup with military rites conducted by Pumpshire American Legion Post, 342 of Jessup. Visit visitation was held from 3 o'clock till 8 p.m. Thursday, January 19th. Leroy was born August 10, 1941, in Waterloo, the son of Lawrence William Westmeyer and Viola Schneiders Westmeyer. After graduating from Waterloo East High School, he entered the U.S. Army and was stationed in Germany. On April 11, 1964, he was united in marriage to Norma June Schoonover at Fort Gordon, Georgia. They settled in the Jessup area where they raised their family and became active in many church and community organizations. Leroy was a member of the St. Athanasius Catholic Church in Pumpshire, American Legion Post 342 in Jessup. He was instrumental in the formation of the Knights of Columbus Council 8227 in Jessup and served in the, as the first Grand Knight. Leroy and Norma have been honored by the Iowa Knights of Columbus for their outstanding service and have been presented a state family award. He was also a member of the 4th Degree Knights of Columbus Assembly 264 in Waterloo and the Catholic Order of Foresters. 
Leroy worked 35 years for John Deere Tractor Works in Waterloo, retiring on November 30th, 1998. He was a member of the UAW Local 838. He enjoyed cheering for the Green Bay Packers, Iowa Hawkeyes, and any team his grandchildren were involved with. He also enjoyed gardening, playing cards, and playing golf. Leroy is survived by his wife, Norma Westmeyer of Jessup, three daughters, Linda Cusforth of Fairbank, Anne McLean of Fairbank, and Becky Burke of Jessup, nine grandchildren, Ryan Westmeyer, Elizabeth Kemp, Nicholas McLean, Abigail Sawai, Emily Snell, Allison Burke, Grace Ann Cutsforth, Emma Cutsforth, Sarah Burke, four great-grandchildren, William Kempf, Leo Kempf, Tate Westmeyer, and one great-great-granddaughter on the way, one brother, Gene Westmeyer of Sun City, Arizona, and one sister, Susan Hendricks of Marion, Iowa. He is preceded in death by his parents, five sisters, Luann Scheffler, Verna Coffin, Dorothy Feck, Helen Lamus, excuse me, Mary Jo Snyder, and four brothers, Jim, Don, Lawrence, Bill, and Thomas Westermeyer. White Funeral Home, Jessup, Iowa, was in charge of the arrangements. This is the Steve Brown Art Center Podcast Network. Television's changed a lot over the years. Oh, boy, yes, it has. So. Yeah. The, uh, can you remember the first television in your house? Ah, uh, yeah, I, I, I remember more. The first television in the neighborhood was like three houses down, and I became a permanent fixture in their living room, I think. But I just was mesmerized by the thing, and all I remember watching is these old uh, B-movie westerns, you know, where just one after the other, and they, and, uh, but I, I, I really did fall in love with it, yeah. But I remember the first TV we got in our house, it was uh, just a black and white TV in a kind of in a console, and had three channels, and uh, you uh, got one baseball game a week and one football game a week in their season. That's all that was on. They just did one, and uh, the TV shows were uh, like ABC. They had Maverick and uh, 77 Sunset Strip and shows like that that I thought were very well done. I mm-hmm. still would enjoy watching them and. Uh, so I became a, a big fan of television, probably much more so than I should have been. But uh. I'm, I'm an early riser, and Maverick is on one of the, one of uh, Channel 7's local stations. Yeah, 5 a.m. I see the yeah, news. I'm, yeah. I'm not going to make it. You know. uh, I, I, I sort of turn it on and, and get things done as I start the day, but uh-huh. I, okay. I, I really enjoy that show. Um but we're talking, we're, we're talking, we ta- spoke earlier about what were the top theme songs from television. Mm-hmm. Well, the question is, and I'll let you start, what are the five best television shows of all times, Dale? Okay, well, I thought West Wing was an excellent show, and uh, I did enjoy that very much. And Hill Street Blues, I, those were, I think, Thursday night shows that you just, I just never missed. Uh, I would work around it, make sure I could, you couldn't tape in those. I would work around it. Uh, St. Elsewhere was about a, a hospital. Uh, what George Clooney was on that and mm-hmm. got one of his starts. Ah, man. Uh, I see you MASH, and I, I've always enjoyed MASH. I guess the military part of it, but uh, always been a big fan of MASH. And then the Rockford Files, uh, 
they were on it were really good and and I watched them in syndication I can't remember what channel they were on for years and I would watch the reruns over and over again because I I'm a real James Garner fan I loved Maverick we talk about Maverick mm-hmm. and I just I just I thought he's the handsomest man I've ever when he was young like that sure nobody should be that good looking <laughs> he just was the handsomest man ever and uh, had a, that quirky sense of humor in all of the roles, but uh, I thought the Rockford Files were very good, and Maverick also I enjoyed. Uh, I still watch Maverick when I can get it too. Yeah. Yeah. So those, so those are uh, was that five or that's close, five close yeah. enough. Okay. Yeah, that's five or six actually. So that's good. <clears throat> okay. So mine um, and Rockford Files one of my favorites as mm-hmm. well. My my father. My father was a truck driver, and uh, James Gardner's father, Rocky, was a oh, truck sure. driver that's, on that that's show. That's very true, and my, yeah. And my, and my father loved that about the show as well. He, mm-hmm. he actually uh, introduced that show to me. So that, that, that's one. I love the show Cheers. I've watched that so many times. As a matter of fact, after we tape tonight, I'm going to go home and watch about four shows before <laughs> I fall asleep. That's a show that you laugh out loud when you watch it. There's very few shows today that do that to you, but that show was general, huge, huge writing. I mean, just unbelievable how good the writing was, and uh, every actor, it, it was a great show. I love that show, too. Yep. Um, the, third, the third one that I've seen every episode uh, multiple times, and since 1960, it's been on the air. Since 1959, actually, I believe it's been on the air. Andy Griffith. Yeah. And that yeah. still two episodes every night on uh, on me channel. I have actually driven through that little town. They have some statues up yeah. and everything. My daughter lives in North Carolina for a while. We drove through that. It's not called uh, Mayberry. I can't remember what it's called now, but it's the town they kind of based everything uh-huh. on. And uh, they they do a lot of business down there with Andy Griffith yet. So I bet you they do. Yeah. Um, but that's three. And then I really love a show that we spoke earlier. Um, and Blake's a, Blake loves music. We we talked with Cameron Cam, Cameron Homer today about this a little bit. Northern Exposures was just special in the 1990s and but they can't syndicate it because they, they have so much music on there and they don't want to take that music off it was so good that music made the show like Dale said earlier good music made shows so that was the fourth one and the fifth one is a new show it's relatively new um Called Young Sheldon. Yeah, I've seen that a few times. Yeah. And they have, it's all about the cast for a lot of these. Cheers, the Cheers cast was great. The Rockford Files cast, Andy Griffith, uh, obviously, with Aunt B, Andy and Barney, mm-hmm. and Goober and Gober, Gomer and Floyd. Yeah. That's what I like. Young Sheldon has a great cast. Well, you, you talked about Cheers, and I, Kelsey Grammer was on that. And when he did Frasier out of Seattle, uh, it was based in Seattle. I thought that was a great show. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the people on there did an excellent job, and uh, some of the situations were just uh, so darn funny. And uh, so I always enjoyed uh, watching Frasier, also. Yep, yeah, it it was it, it was wonderful. And this is the Steve Brown Art Center Podcast Network. And at this time, we want to do school news. Um, first in sports, 
At this time, we'd like to take the opportunity to honor one of our girls' basketball players during the game at Hudson on January 14th. Laney Pilcher surpassed the 1,000-point barrier for her high school career. She became the sixth girl to score 1,000 points in a career in the history of Jessup Girls Basketball. Congratulations to Laney on this tremendous effort. I believe um, Laney has, has narrowed down to going to three schools. I believe they're Cornell, University of Dubuque, or Wartburg. Okay. I believe, and last I spoke to her, She's she was talking about going to UD and to play ball too. Yeah, right? okay. wants to play basketball. Yeah. And no, she's a good player. Yeah, yeah, she is. Good shooter, good, good post moves, etc. Board minutes from the January 9th meeting, regular board meeting at the Jessup Community School District. All board members Bell, Clayburg, Covington, Donnelly, Jung, Mastiller, and Miller were present. There was an administrative report. Um, on building events and ISASP test results. There was a superintendent report by Superintendent Cohagen provided updates on the bond project, district marketing, and the next regular board meeting on February 13, 2023. The board report requests Director Bell introduced items of discussion related to canceling school for teams playing in state events and curb painting to allow access from emergency vehicles. Consent items, the following consent items, January 9, 2023, regular meeting agenda minutes from December 12, 2022, regular meetings of January 3rd, 2023, special meeting, purchase orders, Primex $7,856, Infinite Campus $12,956, and Barnes & Noble College Booksellers Enrollment Applications. Cody and, and Leah Loeb and Chelsea and Corey McAvoy, Fundraisers, Prom, Candy Cane Sales, Resignations of Logan Flack, Assistant Baseball Coach, Gail Hadley, Paraeducator, and Caitlin Hoffer, paraeducator. Upon motion by Covington, seconded by Miller, it was resolved to approve the con- consent items as presented. All ayes and motion carried. The second reading of Board Policy 4017, Employee Travel and Compensation. Upon motion by Clayburg, seconded by Covington, it was resolved to approve the new language. Motion carried. Sick leave days, upon motion by Junk, seconded by Miller, it was resolved to approve allowing employees to use accumulated sick leave for FMLA-eligible doctor-verified absence before sick leave is exhausted with language to be modified in the 2023-24 handbook. Public hearing for addition and renovations. Upon motion by Jung, seconded by Clearberg, it was resolved to approve the public hearing of the additions and renovations of the school campus to be held on February 13, 2023 in conjunction with the school board meeting at 6 p.m. Notice of the hearing will be released on or before February 3, 2023 to the newspaper. That would be the Independence newspaper. Mm-hmm. You heard it here first. And published <laughs> on the Jessup School website. All eyes motion carried. 
correspondence items written administrative NISASP reports provided. Adjournment upon motion by Kleberg, seconded by Jung. It was resolved to adjourn. President Masteller declared the meeting adjourned at 7.57 p.m. The board entered into exempt session for the purpose of discussing matters relating to employment conditions of employees not covered by the collective bargaining law per Iowa code. I, I was reading about first memories. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to ask you, I'd like to ask uh, Blake about this as well. How old do you, do you think you were when, when you had your first memory? Ah, boy, I don't know. The hard part with this kind of thing is you don't know. Now, is this a memory I have or is this something I did that my brother or my parents or something said? Remember when you were a baby and you did this or you're useless what you did? So I don't know. But I think my first memory is when we moved from the country into Hazleton and we had this old house. And then back in the days when they built the cupboards clear down to the floor mm-hmm. and I somehow got the latch open. I crawled in there and the door closed behind me. And I couldn't get out. So uh, I remember being afraid, you know, because it was dark in there. And uh, they're busy moving stuff and this sort of thing, the rest of the family. And so it took a while for them to let me out. But I do remember that. But that, So that may be my first real pure memory. Though I, I don't know, I could, before that, we lived, my brothers used to get off the school bus. And they had to walk like a quarter of a mile down the road. And I would see them get off the bus, so I would run down the road to meet them. Because maybe sometimes they had something left over in their lunchbox, and so I wanted to eat it. <laughs> so I do that would be before the cupboard thing. See, so I remember doing that. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, I the, did a lot of crazy things when I was little. That I, yeah, those are kind of the early kind of things I remember. The author that I was reading talked talks about that. Um, he thinks that, uh, like you said, your brothers or or other people give us what they saw and what they remember and that we think that becomes our memory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, Blake, be interested, uh, what's your youngest memory? So one of the earliest that I can remember, sort of the more blurry one was probably more just when me and my family, when we were first born, we lived on a small little area property with a uh, mobile home. I kind of remember vaguely... Like, I remember where my bedroom was in that house. And I can vaguely remember the rest of the house. Kinda. Okay. Um, but after that, just a couple years later, actually, we moved to a bigger house because my triplet brothers were born. We moved to another house right down the road. Two miles down the road. Okay. So, one of the most vivid memories I have from there, there's a couple to choose from. But... <laughs> One of the most vivid ones is at the time my dad was also an over-the-road truck driver. Uh-huh. So he'd be gone for a week. And I can just remember looking out the window and seeing him coming up at the he- coming up the hill because the house was right on top of a hill out in the country. But it was a paved road. Right. So I, I remember one day I saw, I saw his semi come up the road and I just, I remember running away from the window screaming, Dad's home! <laughs> and... That's one of the ones that sticks with me the most. Yeah. There, there's a couple more, but that's that's probably one that sticks in the most. The I, I have a couple, and again, it, one of them's got to be impossible. You know, my birthday is this past Friday, January twentieth, yeah. and um, 
On January 20th of 1961, President Kennedy was inaugurated. Well, in 1963, he was assassinated down in Dallas about Thanksgiving of that year. It was in late November of that yeah, year. 22nd, I think. Yeah. yeah. And I swear, and I'd only be, been two years old, but I swear I can remember watching his funeral on television. I swear I can remember watching um, Jack Ruby shoot Oswald in the garage. Mm -hmm. But again, I, you know, as a history teacher, I've probably seen it so many times that yeah. it's just driven into my mind. Because there's no way as a two-year-old that I would remember well, that. I don't know. You, you might very well, because that was a very traumatic thing. And there would have been a lot of discussion about that around you. And so uh, you very well could have, I yeah. think. Yeah. I know I remember this memory because mom told me never to ride my tricycle on the streets. <laughs> and I can remember my, my mother grabbing me by my right arm, dragging me off the streets. Yeah. About, about four years old and probably being disciplined fairly mm. soundly at that point. Yeah. So that, that is a memory that I know happened. Yeah. That, she, that no one's ever told me about. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So this is the Steve Brown Art Center Podcast Network. Upcoming events are um, tentatively. As as I said, we have a music. We had a music podcast come out yesterday. Um, Belvins and Powers, or come out Friday actually. Belvins and Powers. Um, make sure you you download that on your your podcast on on the Steve Brown Art Center podcast on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure that you like us. Give us a star, if you would, and, and follow us, and then <laughs> on click, and then click it again and follow us again. Is it a gold star? <laughs> All right. <laughs> we had Belvins of Powers in, and they were they are our first musical act. We, we have a couple other acts that will be on in, in the coming weeks. We're still working to do Jessup Story Corps. We want to get about 100 families to do that, and that's tentatively for February of of this year. Remember that February 25th of 2023, we have Barb Prawl from Marion coming in to co-work 591 Studios. She's going to do a painting and and bring some of her art in. She'll be in from 2 to 4 on Saturday the 25th. Then March 28th, 2023, um, the Steve Brown Art Center is sponsoring a jazz festival at Union High School. And make sure you check out our podcast every week. Also, make sure you check out Tony Lang's podcast called Spilling the Tea. Do you remember the first jazz band you ever heard or saw live? Or It would have been, it would have been my high school, so I believe. Okay, okay. I, the first one is that you and I had a jazz band. When, in my first year I was at UNI. I went to a concert they put on. I was just blown away by how good they were. Mm -hmm. I just, and that's the first time I'd ever seen a jazz band live. And uh, I just think it's great that they're still playing. You know, these high school kids are playing yeah. uh, some of that good music. Uh, city news now. The Jessup City Council met in a regular council meeting on Monday, January 16th of 2023 at 7 p.m. in the city council. Public access to the meeting was accessible by YouTube from a computer, tablet, smartphone, or telephone. Mayor Chris even called the meeting to order at 7 p.m. Members present include Denny Bell, Curtis Shares, Dave Bishop, and Craig Wright. 
Rolfson joined the meeting via telephone at 7.04. Absent was Todd Rolfson. A motion by Bishop, seconded by Shears to approve the agenda. Motion carried four to nothing. Motion by Bell, seconded to Wright to approve and adopt the following items on the consent, consent agenda. Approve the minutes of the January 3rd meeting, regular council meeting. Approve the city clerk reports and approve the claims and give directions to pay. Approve the liquor license application, Dollar General Corporation. Approve liquor license application, Quick Trip, Quick Trip Incorporated. Roll call, ayes, bell, shares, bishop, right, nays were none. Motion carried. There was a motion by shares, seconded by bishop, to open the public hearing on the matter of proposed sale of interest in property. Motion carried four to nothing. The clerk reported no oral or written objection had been filed. Mayor even opened the floor for any objections. Hearing none, the mayor requested a motion to close the public hearing. Motion by Bishop, seconded by Bell to close the hearing. Motion carried four to nothing. Mayor even stated that his resolution is correcting the sale of the alley to Todd Rolfson from 2017. Rolfson paid the correct amount in 2017, but the quit claim deed did not include all the alley that Rolfson was purchasing. Motion by Bishop, seconded by Wright to approve the resolution disposing of a portion of a vacated alley. Roll call vote. Eyes were right, Bell, Bishop, and Shears. There were no nays. Uh, no there, there, there was no citizen input. New business, motion by Bishop, seconded by Shears to accept the resignation of Nathan Graves, police officer. I believe Mr. Graves went over to uh, Independence. Roll call aye, shares, Rolfson, Wright, Bishop Bell, nays, none, motion carried five to nothing. The council reviewed and discussed departmental budgets. The council discussed the fire department budget. Now, each year, that's the first budget they have to okay. Is the fire? Yeah, it's okay. the fire department. I did not know that. The minor equipment line item increased by $7,000 for turnout gear for 11 members. That... That stuff has to, it's sort of like a football helmet for a high school football team. It has to be modernized. Sure. Mm -hmm. So, so um, they have to go through that quite often. The, the council discussed the $50,000 for vehicle replacement. Motion by Sheriff, seconded by Bishop, to approve the fire department budget for physical year 2023-24. Roll call eyes, Bell, Shears, Wright, Ross, and Bishop. There were no nays. Mayor even spoke regarding an employee compensation committee. The mayor would like a two council person committee along with the mayor to evaluate the salaries of the non union employees. So the non union employees would be like Coley, would be like the police chief, um, people. The supervisors, so yeah. like, sort mm -hmm. sort of like principals in high schools. Right. Motion by Bishop, Bishop, seconded by Shares to approve forming an employee compensation committee to evaluate the salaries for the non-union city employees. Council members Bell and Wright will be the two committee members from the council, along with the mayor. Roll call: Eyes Bishop, Wright, Bell, Shares, Ross, and nays none. 
motion by Wright, seconded by shares to approve the July 6th, 7th, and 8th, 2023 for the annual Farmer's Day celebration. Hey, blast off to Jessup. There you go. Um, I don't I don't know if that's public knowledge yet. We, we well, it just, might uh, be. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is. <laughs> It is now. Heard it here first. <laughs> That's right. That's right. A motion by Ross and seconded by shares to set the public hearing date to approve the 2023 proposed property tax levy for February 20th, 2023. Motion carried five to nothing. Council adjourned the meeting at 7.26 p.m. That's one slogan that's being considered by the Farmer's Day Committee, but it is the one that I like, but uh, we'll see what happens. The bl- blast off. Blast to off to Jessica. Okay, that is, that's a cool one. Oh, we got a big rocket coming. It's not going to be. Okay. All right, all right. All right. Okay. This is uh, the Steve Brown Arts Center Podcast Network. Remember, you can find us at stevebrownartscenter.org. That's our website. The Facebook is the Steve Brown Arts Center at S-B-A-C-J-E-S-S-U-P. Twitter is Steve Brown Arts Center as, as Steve Brown Art C1. If you would like to donate to the SBAC or have an idea for an event, go to stevebrownartcenter.org and follow the link. If you have any news or would like to sponsor us, email us at jgillespiegolf at gmail.com or call 319-290-0241 and leave a message. Thanks as always to Blake Tempest, Tony Lang, and Kelly Seahouse at Cowork 591 Studios. A special thanks for to Dale Reber for co-hosting tonight and hopefully it becomes an everyday event. Well, I don't know, but thank you for inviting me. I, I'm honored. It was so, a lot of fun. It yeah, was, I enjoy it. So, If you please remember, this is Jim Gillespie with Dale Reber and Blake Tempest. Each day is about little victories.